Hey there listeners, my name is Dennis Giannoutsos and welcome to the Leadership is Changing podcast. I'm your host and I've got a wonderful guest that I actually interviewed and his name is Dr. Alex Vincent. You may have actually recalled that name from a previous episode that I did with him about three years ago actually and it was on episode 19 I think of it at the top of my head. But this episode is called The Essence of Leadership and Alex is the Vice President of Leadership Transformation at Max Coaching by Design. Now, Alex and I have actually worked together quite a lot with leaders around the world. And we're both, you know, coming from a strategic global leadership development space. That's where we've both worked in. And the thing is that we had a fascinating discussion here, both Alex and I. We talked about leaders and organizations and how they need to take a cold, hard look at themselves. The other thing too, Alex talked about the three levels of human development how to set up for success and what to do there. But then he shared this concept about the two mountains and it was fascinating, it was fantastic. So what I'm gonna encourage you to do is take notes if you can. If you can't, then listen to it again, but listen to it now and then listen to it later on when you can take notes, but enjoy the interview. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey there, listeners. Welcome to another wonderful episode of the Leadership is Changing podcast. Great to have you here with us. And, you know, about three years ago, I interviewed a gentleman by the name of Alex Vincent and had a great conversation. And I've actually asked Alex to come back as a guest because I'm really keen to understand from him what he has seen and how things have progressed because life has moved on, of course, in three years. And so, Alex, a massive welcome to you. Oh, Dennis. Yeah, thanks for inviting me again. And I'm always happy to have a conversation with you, whether it's offline or online. So yeah, happy to be back with you here. Excellent. So Alex, today gives our audience a little bit of an understanding about what are you doing today in business? Yeah. So currently I'm a consultant working with different teams and different organizations, really focused on team coaching. So really enhancing team dynamics and team performance. Also working in areas related to team resilience, to also culture, culture analysis, and culture enhancement within organizations. So that's where I'm spending a lot of my time these days. There's always that saying out there, I think it's culture eats strategy alive. I think that's the right way of saying it, how it's said. What do they mean by that? And what are you seeing out there in the market today? Yeah, so that's actually a really, really great question. So if we think about the things that have evolved over the last few years, we know that there are organizations out there that are performing quite well. So in other words, they're delivering on their strategy. So they have very good sales. They have very good revenue. They have very good profitability. And some organizations aren't performing that well or having difficulty attracting talent or retaining talent. And what we're seeing is that more and more, either people inside organizations or people who are exploring joining an organization, it's not just about the job, it's not just about the pay, but more and more people want to join a culture that has some very specific characteristics where they will be more likely to succeed 
as opposed to a culture that's maybe not as positive or as supportive or as tolerance of errors as an example of cultures that people may not be attracted to. Okay. So what I'm hearing here, Alex, is that the culture is really, really important. So I think it's really, really important. And so when you say that, Alex, about the culture side of things, I think it's really important because, you know, a lot of people do join organizations, but they leave people. And if the culture isn't right, how does an organization, A, know it's not right, and B, how do they fix it? (laughs) Two great questions. So on the first question, I think, and it's interesting, I was having this conversation just a little while ago, and I was saying there's, there's an organization that I was working with where they have a very innovative culture, right? So their culture is quite good in innovation and, you know, developing cutting edge things. And yet if we looked at, so that was a very positive culture, right? Able to innovate, able to deliver, you know, some very nice product. But then if we looked at the people side of the culture, then the people side of the culture wasn't really following suit. So in fact, there could be parts of a culture that are really positive and then other parts of the culture that need to be worked on. So I think it's really important that leaders in an organization really take a cold, hard look at current state of affairs. Because I think sometimes, because they're focused so much on one part of the culture that's you know good and positive and working well, we can easily imagine that, oh, well, the whole culture is good. And in fact, that's usually not the case. So usually there'll be parts of the culture that will be strong and then other parts of the culture that need to be worked on. If we talk about what can help them do it, well, first of all, is taking a really, really cold, hard look at both the subjective parts of the culture and the objective data. So for example, cultural surveys or cultural diagnostics or engagement scores or things like that can give us a good, you know, good indication. But I think actually having conversations with people that are in the culture and maybe people who have left the organization as well. So to not be reticent to talk to people who have left the organization and talk about were there any characteristics of the culture that led them, you know, that led them to move on. And I think it's important at that point, once this cold, hard look has been taken to really then say, okay, how do we help evolve our culture? Because maybe the culture was good for many years, but with everything that's changing in the environment and in the context, And in a whole bunch of industries, it's always important to say, well, how do we continue to evolve our culture so that it's actually going to help us to get where where we want to go as opposed to being a hindrance and that we can attract and retain people so that culture can be that differentiator where people want to join us, not because of what we sell or what we make or what, you know, what services we provide, but really to be part of a culture that's positive and is allowing people to be themselves. So I want to talk a little bit more about that aspect of cultures now that are becoming more prized. It's interesting how you talk about the cold, hard look. I think it's the cold, hard look at themselves, and they need to look in the mirror. However, Alex, I see sometimes that a lot of organizations tend to put their head in the sand, and they sort of want to do a tick-in-the-box type scenario. Oh, yeah, we looked at our culture. But are they willing to do something about it? Because one is to actually get the feedback. Two is actually to acknowledge it. But three, which is really important, is to do something about it. 
Are you seeing a lot of organizations who are just sort of playing lip service to it? And, and are you seeing those who are actually very serious about it and actually doing something about it? And what kind of results are they getting? Mm. I think if organizations are really committed to the first part, right, really taking a cold, hard look at, you know, the culture, the current state of the culture, they tend to be more open to the feedback that's generated, right, and to the feedback that's shared. So usually those two will go, will go hand in hand, right? If we're willing to take a cold, hard look, we're more likely then to be open to, you know, to the data of where we are, you know, culturally. What tends to be a challenge is how do we make things better or how do we evolve the culture? It's not necessarily about the culture being better. It's about being more adapted to where the organization is. And I think I'll give an example in terms of leadership development. And I think a lot of organizations over the past, you know, many, many years have really said, hey, how do we develop our leaders? How do we develop programs to help them become, you know, more strategic thinkers? to help them become, you know, better managers, to help them do business planning, to help them drive results, to help them take on accountability. And that's great, right? And that's really great and really important. And they tend to stop there. But culture tends to live or not live. It tends to live in terms of how people interact with each other, right? Sort of the interpersonal dynamic that happen inside an organization. So those are things like emotional intelligence, right? Empathy, compassion, vulnerability, being open to diversity, psychological safety, so people can be themselves, are not just allowed to be themselves, are actually supported in being themselves and sharing who they are and sharing their knowledge and sharing their experiences. And along with psychological safety, something we don't talk about a lot, and it's a concept that I've been thinking about very recently, that's psychological security. So we could say, yeah, we're psychologically safe and we want people to be themselves and we want people to talk about who they are. But if something happens where a group or a person or a team is not allowed to do that, do we have a security mechanism, so psychological security, to intervene and do something when the safety isn't there. So in other words, can somebody raise the flag and say, hey, thought this was a psychologically safe culture. I actually don't feel comfortable in either sharing something I'm seeing or not allowed to be myself. And then do we have a mechanism for security, for intervention to do something to kind of bring things back? That's where cultures tend, many organizational cultures tend to not go to that interpersonal dynamic tend not to create a holistic, psychologically safe environment. And if the safety in the environment is not upheld, there's no security mechanism to intervene. So that's something more and more that people inside organizations and people outside that are thinking about joining the organization are very attuned to. Yeah, and hopefully they're picking up things within the interview that they're having as they're going to look at the organization. And listeners, if you are looking at being going through an interview and you're looking at an organization to join, these things that Alex is sharing is very important for you to think about as well. But also, if you're not getting that kind of feedback slash, you know, understanding within the interview, go and research, go and ask others, go and ask others who you may know who are in the organization or been part of the organization in the past. LinkedIn gives you a big clue because it tells you who the employees are. But if you've got a relationship with someone, that's what I'm saying. You go and talk to them and, uh, and find out more. 
Yeah. I think you're hitting on a really important point, Dennis. You know, you know, as I work with organizations, right, I'm usually talking to leaders in the organization and I ask them, well, describe to me, you know, the main characteristics of your culture. And they'll usually be, you know, pretty open about it and share, well, you know, here are the good parts of our culture. Here are the parts of our culture that maybe we need to focus on and do something about. But then if you start to talk to people who aren't in senior leadership roles, then you might get sort of a different perspective, right? Because the experiences aren't the same and what people are exposed to inside the culture will be different depending on the level that you're at, depending on the part of the organization that you're in and depending on the leadership of that part of the organization. So that, that trying to get a holistic view and trying to get it from the inside, Dennis, to your point, because, you know, we can go on LinkedIn and we can go on the websites of organizations and, you know, they'll describe their values and they'll describe their culture and they'll describe, you know, what's really important to them. And then you talk to people on the inside and say, well, tell me about those values. They go, yeah, these two values we're pretty good at. These two values over here, not so much. That's where you get sort of the inside scoop to then say, okay, so what is it really like? You know how you visit a house that you might want to buy? You visit it, you go, yeah, it's really cool. But maybe you want to talk to the people who've lived in the house before who can tell you, you know, where the pipes tend to jam up or where the electricity isn't perfect or where the heating system doesn't work as well. It's only people who have lived in the house that can really share that information. And then you might want to bring in some experts too. And this is maybe a little bit difficult, this kind of sort of piece that I'm about to say, because what are you going to do? You're going to bring in lawyers, you're going to bring in uh, people like you and I to say, hey, what is the culture really like? No, you can't do that. But, you know, when yeah. you look at buying a house, you may bring in an electrician, you may bring in a builder and so forth yes. to look at it so that you have that freedom to do that. But when you're going to go into an organization, you don't really have that kind of freedom of bringing in other yes. people, experts in the industry to, to sort of find out. But yeah, it's really interesting. So listeners, do your research, understand where you're going and who you're going to. But also I think, uh, Alex, sometimes we as individuals may want to set our intent. In other words, what's the kind of, and get clarity around, what's the kind of organization we want to go and work for? And then it's actually quite amazing how we can actually attract that kind of organization to us when we get clarity and we set intent on where we're wanting to go. Okay, so Dennis, you're hitting on a point which I've been thinking about and researching for the past little while. Nice. And it's about this three levels of human development, right? So the first level I've talked about, and I'll call it, I'll call it IQ, right? So to develop IQ, it's all the things I talked about, you know, environmental scanning, business planning, driving results, sales performance, customer satisfaction, all of those things. That's level one. Level one actually doesn't influence the next two levels I'm going to talk about. So level two, which is the EQ interpersonal dynamic that I talked about earlier, that's really about starting to have an open heart in connecting with other people and connecting with other people so that we can help each other grow, right? And I'll come back to a two mountain metaphor that I've been sharing with a few people over the past little while. But that second level, so the EQ level actually influences the first. So we can actually influence the way that we go about driving the business, depending on, you know, the interpersonal dynamics that we generate and maintain. But the third level is the level that you were pointing to. And so if we think about the intellect level, level one, we think about the emotional level, level two, the third level is the level of asset. 
And that's a level where organizations have not, for the most part, have not dared to tread. And that's our personal vision. That's our personal purpose. What's my mission that I want to give myself for my life? That's really about, you know, how do I get to the core of who I am? So it requires a lot of self-awareness. It requires some, what's my intention? So what's my intention in my job? What's my intention in my life? How do I get to where I want to go to so that the end of, you know, the end of the road, if you will, I can say I really contributed in the way that was really important to me. So what are my values? What are my motivators? What really allows me to get to where I'd like to go in my own life? So that's where the two mountain metaphor, I think is a really nice one. So the first mountain is really about the mountain where I get promoted. I can go, you know, from the level of a team leader to the level of a manager, to the level of a senior manager, to the level of an executive. I can help the team perform really well. I can help the organization perform really well. So we're driving, we're driving revenue, we're driving profitability. That's the first mountain. And so we may or may not get to the top of the first mountain. I don't want to bring up rugby because I know that's a sensitive, that's a sensitive topic. But there are all kinds of things that can happen that can prevent us from getting to the top of the first mountain. But the second mountain, which is right next to the first one, is really about how do I grow as a person? How do I help others grow as a person? So no matter where we get to on the first mountain, we're developing, we're growing, we're living our passion, we're living our mission. We're actually helping other people grow, actually helping people become you know, better professionals, better team members, better humans, if you will. And where we get to at the top of that second mountain can actually be more important than where we get to at the top of the first mountain. Because it's not about rewards and recognition or prizes or promotions. It's really about growing as people and helping others grow as people. And that's where having that coaching mindset, that holistic development mindset, can really be useful. It's helping ourselves and helping others getting to the essence of who we are and helping that essence to come out as much as possible day to day to day in our organizations, but also in our life. I love it. I love it. I, and so I'm actually picturing two mountains here. So Alex, I got a sort of clarification question for my point of view. So when you're saying two mountains, you've got the first mountain and the second mountain, are they two stand, standalone mountains is number one, or are they a stepping stone mountain to those. So you go to one mountain and then you go to the next level of the other mountain. Which way is it? Oh, yeah. Well, that's interesting. I think both can be true. The way that I think about it is you could be going up that first mountain, right? Being successful and the organization is successful and the team is successful and not really growing and not really evolving. So you could be sort of, you know, three quarters up at the first mountain and still at the bottom of the second one because your self-awareness is low. You don't know where your strengths are. You might not be tapping to them. You're not really clear on what your values are, or you're putting your values to the side because you want to get the big job and the big promotion. And I've worked with leaders where they've gotten the big job and the big promotion. And then they come to me and they say, Alex, I'm not really satisfied or really happy in my job. I'm, and I'm successful. I'm making money. I'm getting bonus. I'm getting promoted, but I'm really not that happy. And we're seeing that more and more and more, especially since the pandemic where people have actually gone back and said, is this really what I want to be doing with my mm. life? 
even though I might be successful. So they're kind of independent, Dennis. Yeah, they're kind of independent. You know, I interviewed a guy a couple of years on the podcast and he talked about that there are a lot of people out there, just going on what you said there, Alex, who are wanting to achieve things in life. So achievement's a big thing for them. But what's really missing for them is the fulfillment. And so what you just talked about them being, are they really happy in what they're doing? Are they really clear in what they're doing? And you're right, the pandemic, the COVID side of things, Actually, it was the lockdown. I mean, the pandemic was, oh, what is this mm-hmm. thing? But it was the actual mm-hmm. lockdowns, the mandates and mm-hmm. things like that. That's what really sort of made people reevaluate life and um, not just reevaluate their business, let alone try and survive in business through those lockdowns. But hey, as a human being, is this really what I want to be doing in life? Because life is short. And so well, what should I be doing? What do I really want to do? And it's really amazing, right? So it's a bit like even, you know, some I've had some 40-year-olds and some 50-year-olds, you know, Dennis, when I grow up, I want to do this. I'm like, hey, you haven't got much more time left. Get on with it. What do you mean grow up? But that actually says a couple of things to me. So one is they're not sure where they're going in life, but also they're not mm. mature enough yet to do certain things, to go to different mm. levels, and they need to grow going back to what you talked about in the second mountain. Yeah, and I think it's great. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for sharing those vignettes. They're awesome because they're getting to the – to the core, right? And I think what happens is when we're climbing that second mountain, if you will, or others, you know, others are able to climb up that second mountain is getting to a level because, you know, the first mountain, there's some components of fear, right? Like, will we get there? Will we be successful? So I could be fearful of failure. I can be fearful of feedback, right? So do I really want the feedback to tell me how I'm really doing? Or do I just like focus on the results? And, you know, there actually is a fear of allowing my essence to come out. I was having a coaching conversation a couple of weeks ago where someone was really, you know, struggling with this is what I want to do with my life, but I'm a little bit concerned to really allow myself to come out. And and the question that I posed was, what would happen if your full essence was shown to the people that you're working with? Like, what you know, what would happen if you showed all of it? And it was an interesting, you know, an interesting sort of thought for that person to think about, well, what would happen or what could happen if I let my essence out? And I think as we climb that second mountain or others climb that second mountain, I think we can get to, and this is a, a concept that's come out recently, get to a level of fundamental well-being. And the fundamental well-being is that no matter what happens, like I thought it was going to go this way, but I actually went that way. And I thought I was going to be promoted and I didn't get promoted or I thought you know, we're going to land this client. We didn't get that client to just say, well, that's part of moving up that second mountain and I will be okay. And everything will be okay, no matter what happens. So not fearful of trying, not fearful of it, not having, you know, not working, not fearful of the feedback that I get, not fearful of showing who I am and, you know, whatever happens, happens. Then we're at a level of fundamental well-being where it's like, whatever happens is great, whether it's not the outcome that I wanted or, and that's actually getting to that point. I think if we get to a level of fundamental well-being, either individually or, you know, the people that are working on the team, that means we've got, you know, we've gone quite a long way up that second mountain. Yeah. And hey, thanks for not mentioning rugby and talking about that. 
<laughs> so that's all good because our mountain's not very nice at the moment. But anyhow, that's all good. We'll get over that. The counselling's going very well, but uh, we'll get there. <laughs> hey, if you want to have a talk, you can call me off. Yeah, I will. Days. I will. We yeah, can good. A, we can have a snapshot. Good. And the thing here is that when you talked about letting my essence out or sort of showing more of ourselves, there's those li- those words you used before around vulnerability and, and transparency and that kind of stuff. Mm. How much do, do people share? Because a lot of a lot of people are saying to me. Yeah, that's all good, Dennis, but I don't want to share everything with people. Or and I go, look, it's not about you bringing out a box of tissues and you're sitting there crying and and all that. We're not right. we're not talking about that. But the question yes. here, Alex, is how much do we share? Well, I'll say this. So this is going to go back to what we were talking about a little bit earlier. So there are cultures and there are interpersonal dynamics that happen inside a culture that will give us either explicit cues or implicit cues to say, "Huh, I better not." show who I am. So really, you know, rein that in. Or you know what? I can show a little bit more about who I am and what I'm about and what's important to me. And then as we do that, then we'll get feedback. We'll either get explicit feedback or implicit feedback. But I'm talking about like signals from the culture and from the environment that will then say, you know, okay, I can go a little bit more. But you're right. I don't think organizations are really a spot where we can open up the kimono and show all of it all at once. I I think there's, you know, there's some things in there where, first of all, you have to be so secure inside yourself to do that, that that would require quite a bit. But there are people and there are cultures where that would be too much. I think what's important, Dennis, and this is another thing that I've been fortunate enough to experience, is I'm part of a coaching circle. And the people that I'm in this coaching circle, none of us, you know, none of us are in the same organization. We're from all over the world. So there are people in the Middle East and there are people in Europe and there are people in the Americas. And this is a place where each of us and all of us can really show more about who we are, talk about our lives, talk about what's important to us, talk about what's going on for us. And everybody else is just there to observe us as a human being, as opposed to, well, Alex is in, you know, consulting or, you know, Dennis is, you know, developing leaders. It's not really about that. It's really having human conversations about life. And it's just been such a gift because there's no judgment. It's just we're there for each other. And even if we can't, you know, help in any way, we're just there to listen. We're just there to really connect with each other and be there as a support. So I think sometimes if the organization doesn't have a place where we can do that, I think it would be important for organizations to actually create spaces for that to happen. If it doesn't, then it's outside the organization where we need to have mechanisms to show more who we are and for others to show more who they are. But I think more and more, Dennis, people are looking for that and people actually need that so they can go back and be more authentic and be more true, not just with the organization or the culture, but also just true to themselves and not have to twist themselves into pretzels as much. (laughs) To pretzels a light back, yeah. The thing here is, listeners, don't be something you're not. In other words, some of you are actually trying to be something that you're not. And I find, Alex, that a lot of leaders hide behind the title, behind a mask, if I can call it that. And they're trying to be something that they're not. And I'm like, come on, you've got to be real here. You've got to be authentic, as you said. But, you know, have that hard kind of cold, cold conversation with yourself, as you called it before. But you're, you're so right yes. in what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's the community. People are looking for that community. People are looking for somewhere whereby they can be themselves, 
and they're not being, and I love what you said, not being judged. There's no biases. It's just they are where who they are. And so, yeah, if you can't find it within the organization, where if you can do that within an organization and leaders, as an example, are having like little groups whereby they can, they can talk freely, have that psychological safety slash security that you talked about earlier, what a wonderful thing. And then they can share with each other and they can learn from each other to become better people and better leaders and a better organization. Yeah, I think what you're highlighting for all of us, Dennis, is so important. So just going back to the three levels, right? So level one being IQ doesn't really influence the other two. Level two being EQ influences level one, doesn't influence level three. But level three being SQ, so spiritual quotient, that actually influences level two and level one. And so if we are able, either individually or with either a coach or, you know, a mentor or a coaching circle to actually dig into a little bit more of the essence of who we are and letting it come out a little bit more, again, not necessarily fully all the time, but just a little bit more and then finding places where we could show it even more so, I think it's just going to change the nature of our leadership and it will change the nature of the interactions that we have with people. We'll listen more, we'll have much more empathy present with us and we'll be sort of showing up in a different way. So even though we might be engaged in the same role and, you know, trying to drive the results and trying to help the team and trying to help the organization and help our clients, it will just have a different feeling to it. It would just have a different impact to it because we will have done, you know, some of that work on level three. And I think organization, some organizations, Dennis, and this is what's really creating a lot of hope for me, hope in, in the sense of a lot of organizations are thinking, hey, we have to do something more on that level three. What does it look like and how do we scale? And there are things that can be done to help people inside organizations work on a little bit more on that, on that spiritual level, if you will. Yeah. Wow. Excellent. Now, Alex, I actually sort of, when it comes sort of to an end of a conversation is I ask people to share where they you know, get their crystal ball out, where they see leadership being in five years. And you and I, and out on the previous episode where I, I interviewed you, you answered that question. But I'm just wondering, where do you see it now? Where, where do you see leadership being in five years from now? So I think much more, much more attuned to and embracing diversity and inclusion through empathy, compassion, authenticity, vulnerability. I think we've collectively in organizations and as, you know, consultants and coaches, I think we've gone on the shallow end of that, but I think, I think there's going to be much more emphasis, much more effort put on that. So I think we'll be digging into that a lot more. And we're seeing that already because of the well-being and the resilience and all of that is in that space. But I also think we're going to start to dip into these new waters of mindfulness, of presence, of vision, of hope, of intention, of purpose. So this level three, I think we're starting to see just the early signs of that. And I think more and more, we'll at least start to have conversations around it. And then hopefully we can start to see commitments around it 
so that cultures will actually be quite different in five years than they are currently. And I'm talking sort of generally, I think organizations are starting to realize there's more that we can do and there's more that's important for us to do. Otherwise, we're not going to, we might attract the people that drive and the people that will, you know, will push for results and that kind of, but will we attract the sort of people who help each other out, the sort of people who are willing to have human to human conversations, the people who are willing to help others show their essence or, or just to get clarity on who they want to be and allow, I think we're going to see more leaders having those types of dialogues and, and committing to more of that kind of work. Excellent. Now, Alex, I've actually got another question that did pop into my mind as you're talking there, because I think you've been talking about that analogy of the two different mountains. And anybody that's really good at what they do in the sense of, in life, on anything, they always prepare really well and they always make sure they've got the right equipment. If you're going to go and hike up or go up mountain climbing mm. and doing things like that, you need to have the right equipment, mm -hmm. the right things around you to support you. As leaders start to think about those two mountains that you talked about in today's episode, what, what are some things that they might need to put in place? One, two, or three things that they need to have as equipment, as support, whatever they need to help them set themselves up for success? That's a really good question. So I think one, one of the things which I share a lot with my clients, whether it's team coaching or individual coaching, is for leaders to have a journal. And as a leader to have a journal to actually write in pretty much every day and to talk about, you know, what's important to them. How are their values being demonstrated? You know, how is their purpose becoming clarified? What's happening that's challenging them? What's happening that's supporting them? Who's around them in their environment and who's helping them be successful and who maybe is not helping them to be successful? I think journaling is a really, really important one. I think the, and then the one I've mentioned, so I'll go to that first, is having that coaching circle. Coaching circle, you know, five other people, four other people, where you can have a human-to-human -human dialogue. And whether it's people inside the organization or people outside the organization, I think it's important to have people that you connect with at a human level and being able to hear what's going on for them in their lives and for you to be able to share what's going on for you in your life. I think we will need more of those types of things inside organizations, but until they really start, you know, they really start to, to show up, I think it's going to be outside. And then the third thing is having mindfulness practices. So daily mindfulness practices, whether it's a sitting practice, whether it's a meditation practice, whether it's a focusing practice, I mean, there are kindergarten or elementary school children where they're doing what they call these focusing practices, right? But really what they're doing is they're doing mindfulness practices and they do them daily. They do them for 10 minutes, you know, the little kids and have them do, you know, an hour long meditation practice, but we can do that as well. So 10 minutes a day, you know, either five minutes in the morning, five minutes at the end of the day, just to be able to reconnect with how I'm feeling, what's going on for me. I think those are three key practices that I would recommend for anyone who's listening to this podcast. Excellent. So Alex, if our listeners wanted to get hold of you, where's the best place for them to go? Oh, on LinkedIn. Through LinkedIn will be the, the best place to reach. Excellent. And what yeah. we'll do is your listeners will put that in the show notes. So you've got Alex's actual link on to LinkedIn. So that's all good. So Alex, once again, 
It's awesome having you on the episode or on the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been a real pleasure talking. Well, Dennis, as always, it's great talking to you, whether online or offline. I look forward to our next conversation, and thanks for the invitation. Excellent. Well, there you go, listeners. That's another wonderful episode on the Leadership is Changing podcast. Hey, what mountain are you climbing today? Is it uh, mountain one, mountain two? Are you looking at the IQ, the EQ, or the SQ? What do you need to work on for you to be the best leader that you can be and create yourself a community, get around people who can help you, who are interested in you, who are going to look at you with no bias, no judgment, but it's wonderful to have people around you to support you. Hey, thanks for joining us. Until next time, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 